Hello, everyone, and happy Friday. Welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. And, uh, man, it's been a while since we brought the whole gang together. My name's Bryce Kuhn. I've got Glenn West, and I've got Sonny Ship along with me. As guys, we're rocking and rolling through this, I guess what you're supposed to say, perceived offseason of college football where LSU has, I would say, done a pretty good job of keeping us busy and staying in the news cycle. Glenn and I were joking right before we recorded our latest podcast. Uh, Not Sunny as busy season. as uh, some over in Tuscaloosa. Sonny and I got our True. red red for what's going on over there. Yeah, what's, yeah what, is that in morning? Like, what, what, uh, USL what is my excuse. Okay. <laughs> US- I graduated okay. from there. I'm an gotcha. I don't know what your excuse is, G-Dog. Yeah, this is this is my polo. This is a clean polo, so as long as it's clean and it's <laughs> it works. <laughs> as long as it doesn't start smelling during the middle of the podcast and you see him making some facial, uh, you know, just some some nasty faces, then we're fine. But yeah, no, I guess you guys are wearing that in mourning of what's happening over in Tuscaloosa. I know you guys feel really bad for what they're going through and that roster purge and everything. I mean, woe is the fans in Tuscaloosa. But hey, LSU fans have been able to kind of watch their team uh, add so many coaches, add some additions to recruiting. We're going to talk about kind of this entire roster management here today, and we're going to lead off with this. You know, It's not something that we've really touched on in any of the podcasts because there's been so many coaching hires. But, guys, we'll start with you, Glenn. I mean, this roster post-NFL trade – or not trade deadline, but, you know, entry deadline for the draft – you know, there were some guys that you're like, okay, makes sense. You know, go get your money, go get your shot at the NFL. And there's some other ones, most notably Mason Smith, that I think were some head scratchers. Your kind of thoughts on what LSU lost and maybe some of the chances that these guys have at the next level. Yeah, I mean, I think you just kind of look here at the the main guys, right? There's the the Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, uh, uh, Brian Thomas core there that I think everybody expected to leave and are all going to be really – high first round picks and uh, very understandable why those guys are going to move on to the next level. Uh, and then there's also that core uh, group of guys that maybe LSU was pushing to try to keep uh, Makai Wingo uh, and, and, and certainly Mason Smith make the most sense in terms of just what that, uh, you know, that, that transition was like. I mean, LSU I know was, was trying to push for both of those guys to return uh, to help that interior defensive line and, now you're in a really precarious situation here with the D-line and, and the interior in particular. Uh, I think a big part of why Bo Davis is here is because he's going to be able to uh, try to bring in some some ex talent here before fall, but also um, to, to help develop some of these guys that maybe haven't had a whole lot of opportunity yet and haven't had the chance to get on the field yet. So um, really, really important that that kind of transpires. But um, overall, I think, there wasn't a whole ton of surprise. I think probably the biggest surprise was was Mason uh, leaving um, and, and just just deciding to to kind of move on with his uh, career. Um, but the one the one thing that I will say here is that I do think LSU also had some some pleasant surprises. I mean, I when all this was starting, wasn't expecting both Miles Frazier and Garrett Dellinger back into the fold. Uh, I think it would have probably been very reasonable to expect maybe one of those guys to return. Um, but you get both of them and you have four or five returning starters now on the offensive line uh, to, to compete with a real uh, asset, you know, plethora worthy of, of receivers and tight ends and running backs that you've got back here in the fold. So um, yeah, I think it was a, a pretty good off season. You know, I think the, the biggest thing that Brian Kelly preached to us, you know, at least in the weeks, Leading up to all this was continuity and wanting to bring back a lot of the roster and 
Um, you accomplished that, I think, in a lot of areas, but certainly when you look at what you lost in the, in the defensive line room in particular to the draft, uh, draft spe- to the draft specifically, I think uh, there's still a lot of work that you can do to make sure that that room is uh, is built up the right way and that, 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 that it's in a much better shape, I guess, going into the 2024 regular season. Sonny, when you uh, when you kind of saw the news about Mason Smith, I know Glenn mentioned that was kind of the big surprise. I mean, kind of walk us, what do you think the, the mindset of that was? I mean, this is a guy who obviously has had the potential for a long time, and we've known about what he can do, has shown it in flashes, and even felt like he built up a lot of, you know, good uh, – goodwill with the program and goodwill with the fans after that, you know, impressive performance in the bowl. I mean, did he just feel like that was enough to kind of garner some interest in the NFL? You know, I think a lot of it, I mean, when you look at it, you know, with NIL now, I think, uh, I think someone uh, with CBS projected him to be maybe a late round draft pick, like a, you know, fifth, sixth or seventh round draft pick. And you got to think that, you know, there's probably a really good chance that he could have made more money at LSU than he would next year as being that sixth or seventh round draft pick. Um, so I don't think that that was the, you know, I don't think that that was probably the, uh, I guess, an overlying factor. I think the biggest deal is that he and Makai Wingo, they seem to be kind of, uh, you know, and it's understandable too, they seem to be kind of upset with the, you know, probably the way the whole D-line situation played out last year. You know, they didn't have a coach. They just threw John Janzik in there. He obviously wasn't getting it done because he brought Pete Jenkins in, who had to kind of coach John Janzik up to be able to coach that room. And it yeah. seemed like, that you know, and, you know, you go back to the Matt House, uh, you know, the Matt House exchange with Makai Wingo after the bowl game. And it just kind of makes me wonder if they just felt like, okay, you know what? We came to LSU. We came to get developed. We came to get the best coaching. feel like we didn't get that this year. Didn't know what the future was going to hold and stuff. Just said, you know what? I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go do that. And I think that that probably had more to do with it than anything with Smith. Because, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the draft projections, and, you know, what he's done over the course of his career at LSU and stuff, I mean, head scratchers, and I, I think, is an understatement. You know, mm. you've got a former five-star who really hadn't done much in college. And, and, and I saw Blake Brockermeyer's um, write-up uh, mini-evaluation on Smith, and I don't think Mason Smith showed a ton of promise as a freshman. I think he had two sacks or three sacks in the game against McNeese, and yeah. that was like his three and a half or four sacks on the year. Um, mm. I, I think if you ask the LSU fan base, if they would say that, you know, they expected more from Mason Smith in year one before he got hurt. Now, obviously year two, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Year three coming in, you know, he, he didn't look fully healthy. Um, you know, and, and like I said, a lot of that probably not feeling healthy, not wondering, you know, I don't know what the situation is going to be like, just being totally upset with how the coaching situation played out last year. I just think that he said, you know what, it's time to go on and test those waters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, real smart yeah, kid gonna... too. Like he's a real smart kid in the classroom and stuff too. So he may be pretty close to getting his degree, you know, even yeah. though he's leaving as a sophomore. So I'd be willing to bet you that he probably doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, a whole lot left to get that degree. And so that was probably something else with him maybe being so close to getting it. Yeah. I mean, look, when you, 
when you look at the stats of Mason Smith and I pulled him up while you were talking, when you go back to that 21, 21 season, he had four sacks started in four games, uh, you know, played in nine of them. I mean, I think showed maybe some things on tape that you're like, okay, maybe, you know, but three of those sacks came against McNeese state. Yeah. So it's like when you, <laughs> you kind of dive into the, when you kind of dive into the, the, the real meat and potatoes of the stat line, I mean, like it's, you know, is it just because guys, I mean, I can throw this open to any of y'all. Like, I feel like the NFL draft is a lot based off of potential. Once you get outside kind of the known commodities of, you know, your Jaden Daniels, your Malik neighbors, you know what you're going to feel like you're going to get out of those guys. Once you get like the fifth and sixth, seventh rounds, one, that's where NFL GMs make their money. I mean, really, you know, fine tuning their roster. But like a guy like Mason Smith, I mean, 6'6, six, six, around 315, 320. I mean, he looks great on paper, but it's like, you know, h- how do you think and what insight do you guys have maybe that NFL GMs are going to look at him and, you know, do you feel like he's a sixth, seventh-round pick or maybe an undrafted free agent? I mean, wh- where does he kind of lie when, when you know, uh, that time in April comes around for the NFL draft? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this. I mean, I, I I think you're probably looking at a late later-round pick for, for Mason. Um, yeah, six, six, six foot five, six, six, 320 does not come around very often in terms of just the – the profile of what he can be. Um, I don't think that he was close to the athletic, uh, you know, profile that he can be at the next level or could have been if he had decided to come back to LSU for another year and spend another off season developing. I do think that um, you know, towards maybe the end of the year and certainly in that bowl game, I think he had some really nice, some nice moments in that bowl game, something to be positive about and kind of build some momentum going into the off season. But um, this is going to be a flyer for sure. I mean, and I think it's yeah. going to be really important for him to, to blow the pre-draft process out of the water. Um, Sonny mentioned his, his, his academics and his smarts. And I think that's going to be a big part in terms of like the NFL uh, meetings that he's going to have over the next several weeks and why he wanted to come out uh, this early. Um, but, you know, there was an injury history there really dating back to even before his freshman year, I think he got hurt uh, some in his high school as well. So maybe that has something to do with it as well. Um, but, you know, he's uh, been a pretty injury prone player the last couple of years, just been unfortunate with, with what he's had to deal with. But I remember going back and watching some of those fall and spring practices in 2022, LSU really couldn't block them. They didn't have much for him in terms of like their offensive line uh, when they started doing 11 on 11 stuff. And, um, you know, they, I remember this, this, the whole fall before 2022, they were just raving about the potential and just what he could be for that defense last year, or I should say two seasons ago. Now, mm-hmm. um, if he can get anywhere close to that kind of level and start to show it maybe in this pre-draft process in terms of his athletic ability, uh, I think teams are certainly going to take notice of that. And I, I would imagine that he gets, you know, a flyer five, six, seven round pick, uh, kind of deal if. Uh, everything goes his way, but um, certainly I think just looking at it from an LSU perspective, it was um, you know, just a, a unfortunate kind of three years, I think, for him in terms of just the injuries that he had to go through. And uh, obviously this past year was healthy, but just wasn't able to f- quite match what uh, the expectations were for him coming in as a high school five-star. Sonny, you think he tests off the charts? I mean, that's something that you know, maybe the hope is yeah. with that that frame. Or I mean, is that, I think, what does that I, look I think, like? I think his NFL combine is going to be a dud. Wow. I think it's going to be a dud. I, I, I don't think he's going to, you know, and, and you don't, you know, you don't expect to see a lot of explosiveness. You don't expect, you know, from from your, you yeah. know, from guys who are three hundred fifteen pounds. 
What's he going to check in at the combine? I have questioned. I, I think that they're going to be questioning uh, his strength. You know, I think that they're going to be questioning the agility. The I don't think that his 40, his vertical, or his broad jump is going to do anything to to the you know is going to give any wow factor. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's probably going to struggle in the bench press um, while he's there. And so you know, hopefully, I hope I'm wrong. But I just think that yeah. those are some areas that's going to give him some trouble. And when you go back and you question the tape and then you see a pro or, you know, you go and if he has a questionable performance at the combine and then they say, OK, so go back to the tape and then it's more, you know, and, and it just kind of reinforces. It gives you that negative reinforcement, you know. And mm-hmm. so I, um, you know, I really question I really question the decision and um you know, I hope it works out well for him, but I would, I, I would, I would bet that it does it before I would bet that it does. Yeah, no, I mean that's uh, that's yeah. valid for sure. When you look at a guy like, I mean, you're talking about a guy six six three fifteen three twenty. I mean, yeah, he's going to be strong, but is he strong at that size? That's a whole different type of conversation. Is he strong just because he's got, that big? You got guys yeah. going up there, you know, with shorter arms who are knocking them out and stuff. You know, yeah. you get the guys up there who have the long arms and stuff. It makes it a little bit, you know, it's a little bit different of a struggle. And not and not that I think that that's the 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 be all of in, you know, that that should be you know taking a ton of grant, but it's one of the it's one of the things that they test for, you know, at that yeah. combine, and so anything that, you know, you don't live, you know, that you don't really kind of set the bar with can just really just set you back even more, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. Well, it does open up a, a whole, a, a conundrum, a, a roster situation at the defensive line position that everyone on our board has been talking about and in our YouTube comments as well about, Hey, it's great that LSU went and got, you know, uh, you know, some good players and skill position players and different options where are the defensive linemen and the cornerbacks? Glenn and I were laughing about that as we recorded the addition of the Liberty receiver earlier this week, which I think raises the floor of this offense, uh, you know, and, and helps them out. But, Sonny, we'll start with you on this. You talk about transfer portal needs. Obviously, it's easy to look at that defensive line position. Uh, you know, we were able to throw up some some tidbits earlier this week about the you know, potential JUCO route, uh, the potential April 16th through the 30th spring portal window. But also with this – massive domino effect that we were joking about earlier that happened in Tuscaloosa of having Alabama open up, Washington open up, Arizona, San Jose State, Buffalo, South Alabama now. I mean, and who knows if Jim Harbaugh stays. That could be a whole nother, you know, window that opens up and another, you know, kind of trail that starts. LSU's transfer portal needs. I mean, what is the the level of, in your opinion, I don't want to use the level of, uh, you know, awareness uh, maybe or the level of uh, readiness to be saying hey we got to pounce on a game changer on the interior defensive line and maybe from what you've gathered how confident are they in what they have in the group there right now well you know fans want fans anytime anytime a d tackle a cornerback a safety you know hits the hits the transfer portal it immediately turns to LSU needs to go grab this person, grab this person. Yeah. But I think, you know, you still have to keep in mind that you're still at eight, you're at 89 scholarships right now. And there's going to be some more attrition, but I don't think that, I don't think that we're going to see quite as much to where LSU can just go start adding people and adding people because, Mm. You know, you can be, oh, you can flirt a little bit over that limit and stuff, but the last thing you want to do is find yourself coming into a situation in August to where 
you've got a veteran coming back and you don't have a scholarship for that person. That's yeah. a bad look. That's a bad look. And so, you know, managing those numbers is, you know, you've got to do it from the number standpoint, but then you also have to do it from the team chemistry and team morale standpoint too, you know, because if you get a reputation for just processing players, uh, you know, left and right, then that's going to come back and that's going to hurt you in recruiting there. You know, there's mm-hmm. no question about that. So I think when you look at the roster, you know, that defensive tackle, what everybody wants to talk about, I think going into the spring, Jacoby and Guillory and Savion Jones are going to be your two inside guys. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's another tackle on the roster you can look at and you can say, you know, and, and if we look at Savion Jones last year, you know, watching him, you know, watching him in pursuit, watching him chase people, you could just see that he was lumbering. You know, I thought he looked like a defensive tackle physically. And, you know, if he puts on another five pounds, that's certainly not going to help him play defensive end better. And so I think when you look at, you know, when you look at the team needs, when you look at how you can try to make those pieces fit, to me, that's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. Because behind him, you got Paris Shand, you know, who I think is a lot, his body is a lot better suited for the defensive end position than it is uh, playing inside. So you have Paris Shand back there. You've also got, you know, you've got to figure out a way to get Braden Swenson on the field and Deshaun Womack. You got Jackson Howard too. So I would not be surprised if you even saw them do some stuff to where Braden Swenson flipped over to that defensive end spot too, if Deshaun Womack is able to hold up and play that jack. So I think you have some options on the roster where you can kind of plug some of these holes, but then it comes into depth pieces. You know, what are you going to do if Savion Jones gets hurt from playing inside? You know, who's going to be some of those guys who are, who are going to be ready to come up because last year they went and got, you know, went and got Jordan Jefferson, Jordan Jefferson, Man, he started. He he started a couple of games. If he's a big piece, he was a big yeah, piece. For he them. was a huge piece that they added. Yeah. That was a. I mean, you know, some would even say that he was the best defensive lineman that they had on the team. You know, so yeah. it's not necessarily when you have a. You know, when you talk about a position like the defensive line, it's not necessarily just about your starters. Where are you going to get that type of? You know, who's going to give you that type of impact? You know, I don't think it's going to come from Jalen Lee. Um, you know, and, and, and then when you just go and you just look at the other defensive tackles on the roster, you know, it just says we need someone here. You know, Gabe Relliford in two years might be that de- a defensive tackle for you, but he's not going to be next year. Dominic McKinley, I don't think he's going to be ready to give you some meaningful snaps next year unless it's, you know, November or the back half of the schedule. And so yeah. – I totally get the fans' need of we've got to go out, we've got to find a defensive tackle. I don't think it's necessarily though a plug and play starter. You know, yeah. I think Savion Jones and, and Jacoby and Guillory, I think that those two can give you a really nice starting tandem inside. But you gotta find some pieces that can come in and that can, you know, when one of those guys comes down, you feel comfortable enough putting him into the lineup because you want to, not because you have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll build on this a little bit. I, I do think that what Sonny brings up is really um, an interesting kind of uh, piece to this and, and the fact that you you know maybe could slide Savion in at least for the spring, just kind of see, test what that looks like next to um, ne- next to what you got coming back with Jacoby and Guillory as well. But the biggest thing for me in terms of like portal and, and with the interior D-line and with cornerbacks and safeties, 
Um, you, you, you don't want to go grab someone just to grab someone at, at this stage. I mean, like there's, we've all seen the numbers. There's not a whole ton of guys in there right now uh, in the portal that would, I think, make a ton of sense. I mean, obviously Trey Amos, I think is a guy that would make sense. Doesn't look like, I mean, he's, he's obviously going to visit Ole Miss this weekend. We'll see if LSU can keep working on that angle, but you don't want to go just grab a random defensive tackle just to fill numbers right now. I think what you probably would love to do if you're LSU is go into the spring, like Sonny said, with what you got, test a few different things out on the roster, and then approach and see what kind of pops up maybe after the spring. You know, there's going to be a yeah. lot of attrition on rosters at other uh, schools, and maybe somebody goes in that maybe you didn't expect to, and you can go hop on that player and and, and make a real push there and. You know, obviously there's still some time here for Alabama players and for Washington players, for some of these guys who have gone through the, the coaching attrition at different schools for them to enter the portal. Um, so we'll see if anything pops there over the next couple of weeks. But the, the I think the worst thing else you could probably do is to take a gamble on someone that maybe they're not 100% sure on uh, in terms of coming in and immediately impacting the roster or at least helping you out depth-wise. Um, getting them here in the spring and then not really seeing much, uh, you know, seeing much there. I think it, it would make it would behoove them to be a little bit more cautious in how they're going to approach this thing. And uh, I, I do think that that's probably the the route that I would lean towards. We'll see if, if anything happens here. But I, I do think that, you know, being cautious and being kind of impatient and waiting to see if there's somebody that you really feel like can help the roster at a later time. Um, I think that's that's something that you've really got to consider here if you're Bo Davis and Brian Kelly and Blake Baker and all these decision makers for the D-line. Well, and you guys kind of alluded to it, and I'll add this as we move on to our third and final topic. I mean, look, Bo Davis is an extremely talented, renowned, uh, you know, well-known, well-liked defensive line coach. This isn't an overnight fix of what LSU has. I mean, they've got to build depth. They've got to build quality depth. They've got to develop, like Sonny said, some of these young guys they're going to be bringing in with this 2024 class who maybe the fans look at and say, okay, can this guy contribute immediately? Eh, maybe not. You know, maybe like Sonny said, in the, in the months of November when they're not really freshmen anymore, they've played and been around the program enough to really kind of understand what it means to be a student athlete and a college football player. But I think it's uh I think it's good for the fans to understand up front, it's going to take probably a year or maybe even two to really start to build some depth where you feel comfortable saying, hey, we're two or three deep. We're we're we have a championship level depth, uh, you know, up on our front. And I don't think that's the case right now uh, with where uh, with where they are. So give me numbers wise, numbers wise, it is there. Yeah, quality and wise, the and that's the conundrum. Yeah. You know, because when Brian Kelly first got here, he didn't have the numbers or the depth. So he had to, or, you know, he had to he had to build the numbers up, build the numbers up. The numbers are built up. Now, I don't think there's a room on LSU's roster that you look at and you say, okay, I don't like those numbers. I mean, maybe the offensive line because there's only 15 on there now on scholarship, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's, it, it's, it's tough to get above that 15, 17 number on the offensive line just because of transfer portal. So the key is that Brian Kelly wanted to build his roster off of four-year players. Well, he's got the roster there now. So now it's about them developing these guys. Yeah, and that's partially what Bo Davis was brought in to do, try to get out 
what uh, the most you can out of these names and, and everything. But, you know, they're going to keep looking. Obviously, I like what you said, Glenn. I mean, you don't want to just add for the sake of adding. So you can put out a press release and make yourself feel good about it. No, it needs to be a calculated, uh, you know, look and, and kind of take of what you want to bring in. So it's going to be interesting yeah. to monitor that as well. Yeah, and look, and look, and what you said there towards the end, Bryce, I think makes a lot of sense. And what I go back to is, you know, the – the fact here that you know you look at the room or specifically on the D line and you might not like the the quality or the numbers right now, and you say it might take a year or two to, to kind of get that to where you really want it if you're Bo Davis and if you're LSU. Well, look at the the position room right now. LSU is seems to be in the best spot for going forward. That's the offensive line uh, in terms of the talent they have, the young guys that they're hoping to develop over the next couple of years, the veterans that they have that have kept returning. That took two years to get to where it is now. I mean, like it, it, it took a yeah. while to build that up. And obviously you had some really great, uh, you know, I don't want to call it luck, but some, you know, you, you fell into Will Campbell being ready right away and Emory Jones being ready right away. And and there's, I think for, for this defensive line and, and for some of these other rooms, cornerback safety can certainly fall into that as well. For them to take that next step, they need some of these young players to, to be developed and, and to be ready uh, sooner than later. And I think that's what a big part of this offseason is going to be about for LSU is developing some of those younger pieces to where uh, maybe they can be, big time contributors this year uh, to where you can also start building for the future, but also know that you have some guys here that, that can, that can be multiple contributors for your roster. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop and use spring practice to really kind of hone in on some of the things these guys need to work with. And obviously give Bo Davis a chance to really work with a lot of these guys for the first time. That's going to be something really interesting to kind of watch when spring ball rolls around. Uh, we end it here with LSU high school recruiting. I know we've been kind of talking about this on the transfer portal side and look, recruiting happens in every single aspect, but specifically the high school ranks here. Sonny, we'll start with you. Obviously, when you look at this 2024 class, a lot of it is kind of signed, sealed, delivered. Uh, you We've left, obviously, Dominic McKinley's you know, visit weekend, feeling really good about where things stand, feeling like that's pretty solid. And then, obviously, I believe, Glenn, you put up on the board this morning uh, saying that you know they went in-home with him as well. So that's obviously a good sign. Uh, things are pointing really well to that uh, February signing date for him to put pen to paper for the purple and gold. Sonny, it's Terry Bussey watch, I feel like, now for LSU. I mean, look, Bussey has uh, kind of lined up some visits here. We know that LSU has been really engaged with him uh, over the course ever since, you know, uh, it was known that he was going to kind of wait till the the next signing period to sign. Your thoughts on where LSU stands from him to kind of round out this 2024 class? Well, I know he's going to Georgia, uh, uh, I believe, this weekend. I think so, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, so he has the Georgia visit. Uh, LSU is supposed to get him back on campus again. And then he has that Texas A&M. Uh, I don't believe he's taken his official. He had taken his official to – or, no, he did take his official to Texas A&M, but he obviously gets another one with Elko being in town. But when you look at – you know, if you look at those three teams right there, obviously he's still committed to Texas A&M. I think LSU has a better chance of pulling him away from, uh, from Texas A&M than Georgia does. Uh, the roster – the roster dictates that. Uh, the recruiting, the relationship with Kerry Cooks. Kerry Cooks obviously is gone. Sherman Wilson played a big part in that recruiting too, so he's really stepped up his role as as Frank Wilson during this, uh, you know, during this crossover period. But 
I think that, you know, I, I think that if you can get him on campus again before uh, before he goes to Texas A&M and you're able to just, you know, you get his family from Texas in, you get his uh, his family from, in, you know, inside Louisiana, you can get everyone in just to kind of hone in on uh, what you got from when he visited in September and spent that weekend at Baton Rouge. Yeah. So if you can get him in again and you can kind of just build off of that, obviously, you know, the new coaches, you get to do you get to know the new coaches a little bit more and then just kind of hone in and zero in on how, you know, he can do what he wants at LSU. If he wants to play receiver, if he wants to play corner, whatever, you just come here and that you can play whatever you want. I, I think that that will be key and that that will kind of give them a little shot of, uh, you know, maybe a little infusion since they haven't had him on campus for a while and really be able to, uh, really be able to make it a lot harder for A&M to hold on to it. I'll add this to Glenn before throwing it to you and getting your thoughts on maybe Bussy and, and what he brings to the table. Mike Roach did a great piece on kind of thing where things stand, and he listed LSU as the most dangerous team in this race. Yeah, Georgia's interest has kind of been in an uptick, you know, over the past couple of months. A&M has always been there, but it's, you know, uh, you know the school he's committed to. When you hear, Glenn, LSU being the most dangerous team, I mean, that kind of has to ha- get fans a little bit excited about what they offer. Maybe some folks in Bussy's camp are maybe more pro-LSU than maybe pro-A&M or pro-Georgia. Your thoughts on what he would bring, though, to the roster if LSU can get him in? Yeah, I mean, look, he'd, he'd fill a huge, huge need at cornerback or, or defensive back, wherever they want to f- slide him in. But I think it is important, like Sonny said, to leave that option open for him to also contribute on offense, on special teams, just to kind of dip his toes into a couple different areas while he's here. Um, but, you know, I, I think in terms of his recruitment, one of the more interesting things to me is, you know, that the, the expectation is they'll get him here uh, in the next couple weeks. But I think towards the end of his official visits or, or his final visits of the before he makes his final decision here, I think LSU is one of the last schools he's visiting before he you know, makes that final decision. And, and, you know, that's, I think that's important here is that, you know, he'll, he'll already have a lot of data from a lot of other schools that he's considering. And um, if LSU is able to blow that visit away, then I think it really certainly helps their chances as one of the last schools uh, to kind of get in his ear about why this would be the right move for him and, Look, I mean, the, the numbers are are what they are right now at corner and, and safety. You've got over 20 guys right now between those two positions. You've got a lot of receivers as well on the roster right now, how they explain how he can fit into both of those rooms or one of those rooms or how he can develop quickly uh, with, with those those numbers the way that they are right now will be a big part of this visit. I think just kind of outline what that role could look like for him. Um, but I don't. I, you know, the, the fact that they've redone this entire defensive staff, none of these coaches are going to come in here with a with a set. This is going to be who our starters are. This is going to be, you know, what our rotation looks like. I think it's going to be open season uh, this spring in terms of reps for corner, for safety, um, because yeah. of just just how new this is for the staff, how how they want to just kind of plug and play a lot of different combinations together. I don't think there's going to be anything set in stone for, for, for these returning guys. And I think that's a really good opportunity for some of these young players uh, to really get in and make an early impact. I think that's going to be a part of the conversation as well. Uh, when you bring in a guy like Bussy is okay. What's my, what's my quickest path to the field, but also how am I going to get developed? And I, I do think that the fact that they, 
have such an open roster on the defensive side, the defensive back side of things uh, would, would, would certainly help LSU's case in making that pitch to him and, and how he could see the field early in his career. Yeah, those official visits, uh, Georgia is January 26th, uh, listed for next weekend, LSU the 31st, and then A&M February 2nd. All three of those could coming before February 7th, which is the uh, early signing day, or I should say now the normal signing day. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch Terry Bussey uh, and what decision he makes. It obviously would be a big boom to this room, a big boom to the 2024 recruiting class. And, uh, Sonny, we'll, we'll end it here with you. You look ahead, 2025, you and I talked about this last week, a lot of exciting things going on with the recent run they've been on. Bussey would add another uh, feather in the cap of this recruiting staff. And when you look at 2025, I mean, you still got to feel pretty good about where things stand. Uh, anything latest? I mean, I know uh, James Simon's another one that LSU's really in on down there at Calvary Baptist. Uh, the staff was down there visiting him and Devin Harper, another highly touted uh, you know, offensive lineman out of uh, New Orleans. Your, your thoughts on where LSU sits in this 2025 class as they kind of shift their attention towards that? Yeah, I mean, number two in the country, got eight commits, five of them from inside the state. Um, and looking at the Louisiana offers, they've already uh, – you've got 11 of them reported in on the uh, in the 24-7 sports database. I would be shocked if that number didn't eventually uh, get up in the 20s. Um, you look at the rolling 10-year period, and there's only uh, been three years – in that those 10 where LSU didn't hit uh, at least 20 or more. So you start looking at some other inside guys. Uh, I mean, in-state guys, you got DK Mays over at Central, Devin Harper up at uh, Calvary Baptist, James Simon up at Calvary Baptist, uh, you know, you Jabori Antoine, who, you know, when you hire Corey Raymond, you say, okay, Corey, we need help in New Iberia. You're from New Iberia. Go deliver. And yeah. – Coached you know, at Westgate. This, I mean, he coached at Westgate where Javori is. I'm sure there's just right. a ton of connections there. So ton of connections there, a ton of connections there. And LSU needs all the help they can get out at Westgate right now. You know, you lost uh, you know, you lost the big time safety, you lost Danny Lewis to Alabama. So you really need to kind of you, you need to tighten that ship right there. So mm-hmm. I think these next uh, you know, you, you, this this spring visit period that we're getting ready to hit. Obviously, next weekend, LSU will have several kids on campus uh, for a little mini junior day event. And then the weekends to follow, they'll do the same. (coughs) Excuse me. But I'm really anxious to see how they fill out those in-state offers. You know, who are these kids who are going to get these offers to kind of, you know, that we start to see kind of start to emerge. You know, DK Mays over at at Central's one guy, uh, like yeah. Brody Watley, the big defensive tackle up at uh, defensive lineman up at Neville. I think he's another guy. Obviously, you say defensive line in Louisiana. Yes, please. I need about four of them. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, so uh, I'm going to have a piece up on the site here later on today, uh, kind of looking at the in-state angle and, and looking at some of those guys so, uh, so folks can go check it out then. But, Bryce, we're already at 35 minutes. We're 12 minutes over my schedule my Mm. appearance time so we're gonna have to pay i don't know how we're gonna pay him glenn (laughs) i'm just warning you once we hit 36 minutes my son's gonna come beating on this door (laughs) well we have breaking news we have breaking news here alabama kick return specialist forrest gump has just entered the transfer portal oh geez oh geez oh come on i had I had yeah it's it's good julian saying did enter the transfer another one another one quarterback so 
hey, that's why they're wearing their uh, their shades of red today in in morning. Red tie, <laughs> We're gonna clip that right there for sure, <laughs> and just use it anytime Alabama does anything this year. Hey, my name is Bryce Coon. He's Glenn West. He is Sunny Ship. We enjoyed talking with you here on this Friday. Like they said, check us out over at Go Twenty Four Seven. You can find that link down below. Get that VIP membership and join a great community. As we ramp up uh, off-season talk, winter workouts, spring ball, baseball season right around the corner. Uh, Glenn, I believe you got a nice little dinner you're heading to on Sunday night. This should be really fun. Uh, the fans want to tune into. Uh, you know, Glenn's going to have great coverage there as well. And I'm and I'm heading to New Orleans this weekend for the first time ever. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what we got going on down there. Should be a fun time. We'll catch you next time here on the Go Twenty Four Seven.